It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of control of this virus. But what we want to try and avoid are these massive lockdowns that are so punishing to communities, to society, and, and to everything else. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. We've learned that Amy Coney Barrett will portray herself as a mother of seven, as a wife. How dare she! <laughs> Trying to pass her off as a mother of seven, a wife, a brunette, an American, a blue-eyed uh, law school graduate. Trying to portray herself as quite a lot, uh, ACB. We're not buying it. Well, at least we got to the bottom. So this week, nothing has happened with the, with the, or at least today, nothing has happened with the nomination, with the hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. I watched a whole bunch of hours, and... Um, one half was Republicans thanking her for being there and saying how smart she was and great she was being first in her class. And then the other half was what I believe was um, was a healthcare seminar and uh, convention with a lot of pictures of people with pre-existing conditions and a Democrat's browbeating Amy Coney Barrett about uh, her stance on healthcare. So this is what it is. It's all about healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. You're not going to hear much about. They're going to use this, of course, just to campaign for, for uh, the up and down ticket. And it's just a healthcare convention commercial, infomercial <laughs> from the Democrats, and they will dare Amy Coney Barrett to take away uh, pre-existing uh, pre-existing conditions. Uh, is that what? No, what's it called? Pre-existing conditions. Cover so to, um, to get rid of the. Uh, Obamacare provision that makes health Isn't there insurance a word for that? Um, it it makes them they can't um, not give coverage for pre-existing conditions, basically. Uh, right, I know, but I thought there was a word for pre-existing conditions. Pre-existing conditions. You know what? That's know. it. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know any other uh, word for so, that. So so anyway, uh oh, who is this? 
508, Brockton, Massachusetts. Sorry about that. Here's the best hint, by the way, if you ever want to get in touch with me. Don't ever call me ever, 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 ever. And if you're a PR pitch person or communications manager for a great campaign, never call me because I hate you. <laughs> I shouldn't say that out loud. Okay. Just <laughs> never call me. Always text me or email me. Don't leave him no. a voicemail either, although I think you have now filled those are, up your voicemail box. So you, yes, you might as well. Done. Yes, those are those get caught in the Andromeda strain and collect Torsic somewhere. If you leave a voicemail, it's not going to happen. I don't mean to be a jerk. I'm just saying that I've been in the, in the business, the media business, for quite a while. And if you're in the media business, you know this as well. And now I am. Uh, you know, now I'm, I work for newspapers and I work for, and I've worked for radio things and I've worked for news, a long time. So people in, in, and PR people and um, campaign handlers and consultants and different operators in the state government and city government, whatever. It's like if you've got a job in media, you know what this, what it is, okay? It is 2020, the time now where I have to, and I'm not saying, listen, it is well after business hours, just in case anybody's listening. Uh, it is well after business hours. And I'm not saying that I'm too busy and too good to take these. But I'm saying now there are efficiencies in communication in me having a phone call with somebody to talk about a story they'd like to pitch. You know, by the way, we're coming up with a new kind of egg crate uh, here in Northampton, and my client wants to uh, sell it. We'd love to get it on your radio show and in your newspaper, whatever. Uh, we really think this would be great. I'd love to come and chat with you with, with a cup of coffee, Tom. I don't want to have a cup of coffee. I don't want to chat. I don't want to talk on the phone about your egg crate. <laughs> I understand. I'm not trying to be a jerk. Just never call. Never call. Nobody ever calls. My own brother knows never to call me. I haven't. He hasn't called me in five years. He would never, and I would never call him. You would never call. My wife, who is within feet of me right here, <laughs> is. I don't really ever call her unless it's something we've got kids. There's something happening, and we've got to reach out immediately. Seconds matter, okay. and or and she doesn't call me. And this isn't a me being cool thing like i'm so cool that i'm i'm blowing off pitches and i don't you do it too you listening there you do it too you don't have time to have somebody i can't i don't understand this in my life since i've been in the media for 15 or 20 years whatever it's been now this i'll never understand hi yeah tom it's um hal smith um can you give me a call 401-663-8902 Give you without even knowing what it's about. <laughs> give you? Are you serious? Are you, should I be saying this? I don't know. I think the millennials are right there with you. I oh, pretty much rather die than have to make a phone call. I like if you can't get me a way to pay a bill without having to make a phone call or send you a paper check in an envelope with a stamp on it. I like the bill might not get paid for six months. Like I'm sorry, and I don't mean for it to be that way, but. Like, you know, have an online oh, online portal or right. something. Right, that's, that's anybody that says that. And or you know, I I don't know. I can't. I don't want phone interactions with people, like business phone interactions. And, and the problem is now, especially when it, it's all of us. It's not just me because I feel like I'm just being a jerk myself. But I'm advocating on behalf of you listening too. Life is too busy. There's too much stuff happening, and we've got technology made to expedite communication. So you can't risk you can't risk being on the phone, you, you know, talking to something just like a number who, who that I don't know. 
just talking about something or uh you know yeah i just want to run something but what that's crazy even more offensive and this is more almost always personal stuff is somebody who out of the blue facetimes you oh facetime like what is that we're gonna talk physically now we're having a conversation as far as I'm concerned, no. By, by the way, like I don't mind it when I do all this stuff. Of course, out. I just mind it when I get to stuff. But like you know, listen, Brockton, don't. Everything you need to do, you can send me or text me, and, and, and we can talk about this. And I know it's campaign season now, so people want a more. That's the that's the thing, though. You know, some of the really good communication people and and PR people are missing that nerve that would let them know that they're unwanted. And you, that's in that that for a lot of times that makes them good because they'll just stand there and harangue you until you finally give in and to talk to their person or or pitch their product or whatever. At the same time, you do eventually disdain them, I think. But there are really good communications with PR people, and the best ones I've found are this: the best people in communications. Let's say they want to they want to um, plug an event. They want you to plug an event. Or when I was doing radio broadcasting, they want you to broadcast like a three-day event that they're having. The best people do all the work for you. They know you're busy. They've probably been in broadcasting. They know you're busy. They give you a bleep load of information on the person. They give you backup information so or the other people so you don't screw it up. And they um, – and they um, – and they, they – they help you. They take care of you. I don't know why I'm saying that. I feel like I'm, I sound like a jerk, but this is not what I'm trying to do. Oh, man. My worst scenario ever that I sometimes think about still, and this is not, this has nothing to do with communications people. This is has to do with me screwing up, is we were at the Super Bowl and uh, a couple of years ago, and I was there on Radio Row, and these people come by, a whole beautiful beautiful um, like group of seven communications and PR people saying, Hey, we're doing this. We're promoting this ice cream. This is a non sequitur. I think I may not have slept enough, so I'm a little bit insane. But just you'll you might dig it. So there's a there back at the station. There's a radio show going on. It's supposed to end at three p.m. At three o four, I've got I take over and I'm ready to do my interviews. So so listen to this. So the this communication team comes by and says, Hey, yeah. By the way, we're we're uh, pitching Mary Lou Retton to come around and talk about this ice cream, and it's going to be on cable. We're going to shoot it in infomercial, and we're going to do this and that, and um, and we're going to videotape it, this and that. The, your your in your um, your interview with her, and that's at three o five. So we'll come over. We'll bring ice cream for everybody, etc. A big thing. It's a big thing. This is great. I'm like, oh man, I'll get some good. I got Mike flags, of course. I have the the uh, thing where you can see that it was Boston Herald Radio at the time. I'm like, this is good. I'll get us some excellent. Some excellent publicity and some excellent, uh, you know, our logo, our branding will be showing. This will be, you know, it's a nice hit for us to do. I just have to sit at the table, wait for 305. Mary Loretton comes in. They, they ply me with ice cream, which obviously is a good win for me. And, um, and uh, you know, and obviously also it's Mary Loretton. So uh, anybody who's probably under 40 may not even know who that is, but she won a whole bunch of medals in 1984 in the American the U.S. Olympics, the you know the U.S. Olympics, the, the Olympics, whatever they are, in L.A. And she was a little pint-sized uh, gymnast, and she was awesome, and she was the sweetheart of the country for 
about 10 years after that. And I was kind of thrilled. Like, even though I was a, a little kid when, when she won all the stuff, I was like, Mary Lou Retton, this is kind of cool. This was quite a person. So anyway, I'm sitting at Radio Row. Remember, we're supposed to go on at 3.05. I can hear through my headphones that the radio show, the, there's an interview that's happening back at, on, at the Herald Radio with a, an interviewer in somebody, a big Republican. And it, it's going and going and going. And it goes to like to 2.58. 2.59, 3 o'clock, and so I call up the producer and I said, can you tell them to wrap this? I'm, I've got Mary Lou Retton coming here, just a minute. And uh, and he said, okay, I'm trying to wrap her, I'm trying to wrap her, but she's not she's not wrapping. She was, it was a, the interviewer was with a pretty high-profile Washington, D.C. elected official, I think. So, so I'm like, all right, they know that I've got a guest, so Mary Lou Retton comes, sits down, all the Klieg lights are on immediately, all the cameras are there, there's a phalanx of camera and people around us, they're taping this for a thousand different things, or for Radio Row, for the NFL, for this, that. Mary Lou, she brings ice cream around. She's like, she has a bite of ice cream. I have a bite of ice cream. I'm like, a pleasure to meet you, Mary Lou. I can't. Right. So we're just sitting there waiting. I keep hearing it's three o three. The interview's still going on up in the studio, and I call up and I said, "Hey, get them off. Tell them to rap. I've got her right here, right now." And he says, "I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying." Meanwhile, I'm sitting there. I'm dying. I'm trying to talk to her, saying it's just going to be a second. Meanwhile, you can see all the comms people. And this is why, by the way, that they're better people than me, even though I don't answer their phone calls. They're starting to sweat and saying, okay, Tom, is this I – mean, we've got to move Mary Lou around here. I mean, is this, is this going to happen? I say, yeah, yeah, 304 comes around. I still hear in my headphones <coughs> the interview. So I call up again. I say, Jesus Christ, get them off. Get them off. End that interview right now. I've got Mary Lou right in here right now on Radio Row. This is why we're here. Let's go. He said he's trying. She's not stopping. She's not looking at him. And I said, I don't care. Cut her off. He said, no, I can't just cut her off because they're in the middle of talking and he's a big way. And I said, Jesus. So listen to this. So I wait and I hear in my head for them. I said, I keep saying, it'll just be a moment. And Mary Lou Retton's standing in front of me and she's like, sitting in front of me. Okay, no problem. And I can hear the comms people try to get upset. The ice cream is now melting everywhere, all over everything. They bought like, like little pints for everybody and it's all melting under the lights and things like that. I'm like, Oh my God, oh my God. And they said, Tom, is this not going to work? And I said, yeah, it's going to work. And I said, I call up again and say, in the name of God, please, please, please bring this to, to me so I can interview her. I've got her right here, right here. Please, please, please. And now Mary Lou getting upstairs. Up, uh, she's not getting upset, but she's like, I don't know what's going on here. Everybody, it was in good faith, all these great comms people and PR people had set this thing up. You know, I'm dying here in front of her as if I had lied. She then stands up and they then... As it's like three oh nine, say okay, um, Tom, I guess we'll, you know, it, it just just didn't work out, and I'm they all leave, they shut the camera lights down and they walk away, and I'm sitting there with like eight pints. I'm a fat guy with eight pints of melted ice cream around me, which I in shame and embarrassment just eat, you know, <laughs> as a wretch I am alone on radio. I couldn't even like get Mary Lou Retton her the stupid four minute interview about ice cream. <clears throat> So that, uh, God, I still think about that sometimes. That <laughs> feeling of Jesus, wrap them, wrap them. I'm dying here. I'm dying down here. Of course, I was in, uh, you know, Arizona or whatever, and they're up in in Boston doing an interview, and it, oh, oh I absolutely, a comedian would say that they were eating bleep. I was doing the radio version of eating bleep. And so uh, I'd like to apologize to the PR uh, and communications community, and <laughs> I will still not answer your phone calls from Brockton. And uh, I will ask you, please, uh, please just send an email or text, and we'll get along just fine. 
And I'm sorry. I need to be a better person. <sighs> like I said, we save a lot of money with Tom doing this podcast instead of going to therapy. It really works out great. So thank you, everybody. <sighs> thank you. And thank you. Uh, I want to take my cue from Joe Biden and thank uh, God. So vote. Vote. Visit IWill.com slash Ohio. <laughs> God bless you. God bless the auto workers. God protect. Thank you. Which way am I going? Which way am I going? <laughs> Good question. That was the uh, Mary Lou Retton interview uh, type uh, exit in speech crescendo <laughs> by Joe Biden. I don't know what the hell he was supposed to be saying there. What you heard were those car horns because it was an auto workers um, a rally today he was having. So it was about 30 cars that in lieu of anybody clapping, they were beeping. Honking their horns. Was it 30? I think that's generous. 11 cars. I don't know how many cars, but that's a thing about having a rally with just cars there. It's important that the rally go really well. So when the comms person to the side of the stage signals the cars to start honking, that they're honking when something that makes sense is happening. So vote! Vote! Visit iwill.com slash Ohio. Hold on. I'm going to go to iwill.com slash Ohio right now. <laughs> I will.com slash Ohio. I know it's going to work. I will.com slash Ohio. Uh, not fun, no. I will.com slash Ohio. I, I think it's supposed to be I will vote.com slash Ohio. Don't you do his work for him. He said I will.com slash Ohio. <laughs> Unless the website he's trying to plug is not found, the requested URL was not found on the server, then uh, that's where we're supposed to go. But here we go. Let's hear it again, Joe. I just have to uh, palate cleanse from my Mary Lou Retton flashback. So vote! Vote! Visit iwill.com slash Ohio. God bless you. God bless the auto workers. God protect. Thank you. Which way am I going? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Which way am I going? How about this? Since, it, <clears throat> since about half the time he leaves the stage... He asks somebody which way he's going. Why don't you tell him which way he's going beforehand or draw a big arrow on his pad? What makes you think they haven't? Alice, you know what? I won't sit here and have you take swipes at uh, the gentleman from Scranton and uh, in Dover, Delaware at the same time. Dave the dog's in here. That's always good. Hi, Dave. That's good. Dave, the um, Jack Russell Terrier, who's supposed to be downstairs in the kitchen where he lives because he was put <laughs> there to fight a, an infestation of rodents we had a couple of years ago. I'm sorry, 24 disasters ago. Um, <laughs> Dave is now up here, which is good. That way he can equally distribute his uh, feces all over the second floor of the house. <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't mean to be a salty mood. Dave's fine. Good boy, Dave. You can see Dave on Instagram. He's fine. Although really now with the... Since I'm now, a, since the chickens are now TikTok influencers, the dogs are really losing their foothold on Instagram. All right, Joe Biden, it wasn't over. He has vague memories of having run on a presidential election as well in 2012. You're not sure against whom. If you may remember, I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, <laughs> the governor, okay? And I took him on. You know the thing. What do you mean, we may remember? You may not remember. You may remember, I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, the governor, okay? And I took him on. You know, wacky guy, dog in the roof. Uh, <laughs> he was going to put you back in chains. You know the one. Oof. 
Tough day. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. <laughs> Mormon. They hear the sporadic horns, too. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. Maybe we won't do that anymore. Maybe we won't have any more auto workers rallies where they use the horns instead of the... It's a good idea. <clears throat> you know, some pan- campaign kid from Yale said, we'll do that... That way, it'll be adapting to COVID, being socially distanced, and the since we won't get a smattering of applause anyway, we can have loud horns showing the, the enthusiasm in the crowd. But it has been, regardless of what the media wants to tell you because of the debates, it has been a tough couple of weeks for Joe Biden. But they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. No horns. The complication of COVID-19, like lung scarring and heart damage, could become the next deniable pre-existing condition for over 6 million Americans. <laughs> What's the website? So vote. Vote. Visit IWill.com slash Ohio. All right. Mr. Mayor, city, everywhere I've been hearing all around the country, you're trying your best. But it never feels like enough. Never feels like enough. That's the problem with breast. You see, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. Okay. That's why I made it a priority my entire career to work closely with you. From the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago, <laughs> you know, as well as my tenure as vice president. If, if any of that is being purchased by any government agency that it will not we will not purchase anything that is not made in america including including the down rivers uh, uh, line of, of what has to be done all the parts you can't do what he's doing now you can't do where he's got uh, the uh mary retton uh, got the i does you know the the thing tj ducklow our friend it's back in the news. Now, there nobody deflects. Speaking of comms people, you know, this is dedicated to comms people and people who call me from numbers I don't uh, recognize and want me to answer the telephone and spend time talking to them. This is to comms people and PR people. TJ Ducklow, <coughs> master comms person. I'm sure he went to uh, uh, Harvard or, or uh, where do smart people go, Alice? Princeton. That's one of them, right? Um, you'll remember him from such great answers as... Does uh, Joe Biden use a teleprompter? Has Joe Biden ever used a teleprompter during local interviews or to answer Q&A with supporters? Brett, we are not going to engage. This is this is straight from the Trump campaign. Well, yeah, they're points. using and, it. And what it does and what it does, Brett, is it's trying to distract the American people. I'm just above that. They're from, using from it. They the talk pandem- about it every day. Can you well, say yes or no? That's because they talk about it every day, Brett, because they don't have a coherent. Uh, well, you strategy. have an answer. Yes or no, Brett. They talk about it every day because they don't have a coherent argument for why Donald Trump deserves re-election, deserves four more years. We know that he lied to the American people. We know that he has not uh, shown leadership during this crisis, and they are desperate to throw anything they can against the wall to try to distract from that fact. I understand, but you can't answer the question. Brett, I am not going to allow okay. the Trump campaign to funnel their questions through Fox News <laughs> and get me to respond to that. Well, TJ, we appreciate your time, and thank you for coming on. Thanks, Brett. Next up right. this evening. And why would he ever use a teleprompter? So vote! Vote! Visit IWill.com slash Ohio. There you go. Doesn't need a teleprompter. TJ Ducklow is back.
This time it's on MSNBC of all channels, and he's the guy, he's this anchor. I don't know who this guy is, but he puts the screw to my man, TJ. Of the, Supreme Court is, the composition of the Supreme Court is a matter of our constitutional structure as a nation, and it is a materially important question. What is the Biden campaign stance on the composition of the Supreme Court? Is Joe Biden satisfied with it? Sure. Well, look, I think it's important to take a step back and, and to talk about the fact that a number of things have to happen. First of all, punk, the moment some Zoomer who's 24, year old, 24 years old answers your question by saying, look, which, which <laughs> kind of clears the deck anyway, I think it's important to stay, take a step back. <clears throat> it is perfectly within your right to hum a stapler at his head <laughs> at maximum velocity. Before this is a conversation that is really relevant. Um, it's a hypothetical. And what is not hypothetical is millions of people are already voting in this election. Um, the majority of the of the American people, in fact, believe that the person that's elected on November 3rd, that is who should uh, appoint the next Supreme Court justice. Well, you know, you mentioned- right. And the person who was, the, uh, who was elected on the election day, November 8th, when it mattered, is appointing the Supreme Court justice. But look, uh, I think it's important to take a, take a step back. Senator that you're working for the person who wants to be elected on November 3rd, this is not hypothetical for the guy who wants to be president. What is the campaign's perspective on the composition of the court? This should be an easy question. Well, look, what I, what I mean by that is it assumes that this fight we are in right now, it assumes that we lose that fight. And we are focused on uh, underscoring just how important uh, what we're going to see this week is. As I was- Do you see why I don't take T.J. Ducklow's phone calls directly and maybe let that one go to voicemail? Can you imagine the lazy doublespeak that comes from such a fellow? You know, <laughs> There's nothing rewarding out of it, at least with my <clears throat> Kate Bettenfield. At least there's... Uh, there's a silver lining to the whole thing. All right. Where are we going to next? I guess the Amy Coney Barrett stuff. Alice, we have to get to those stories, too, that we haven't gotten to, that we sent each other um, today. That Oh, we in that Facebook post of the person with the child. Oh. Okay? What? You're not, okay. What? You don't want to do that? You don't think that, you think that person's listening? I don't think they're listening. You can change the name. Okay. <sighs> Here we go. More horns. Guess who this is? So is that the theme of tonight? Is it horns or is it PR people? So those horns were at the huge city blocks wide bash last night at the Staples Center in LA after the Lakers won the NBA championship and there wasn't social distancing or masks it was a huge bash nobody was taking the task uh <clears throat> same old thing at the same time Olivia Nuzzi from whatever she's from uh you know noticed that Rudy Giuliano was Giuliani was talking to 11 people in a small room today even though they had masks and that's the story she, she filed no masks here, but that's okay. You know, half of LA, yay, outside. Basically, this thing is over, is what I'm saying. This thing is over. What are we doing here with these lockdowns? What? Are, why are we? Why are we pretending? You can't. You can't ha- have it be a definite, but also then have it be a non-existent at the same time. It can't be. 
And with his new WHO stuff, it just, I'm sorry. It is over. This bull is over. This is David Nabarro of the World Health Organization on lockdowns. This is yesterday. Uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean or in the Pacific, because people aren't taking their holidays. Looks what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world because their markets have got dented. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders, stop using lockdown as your primary control method, develop better systems for doing it, work together and learn from each other. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. Seems to me he was fairly adamant about uh, lockdowns and being, uh, them being uh, a, a hindrance to progress, in fact, very harmful. Dr. Michael Ryan <coughs> of the WHO I watched this guy for much too long today. What we want to try and avoid, and sometimes it's unavoidable, we accept that. But what we want to try and avoid are these massive lockdowns that are so punishing to communities, to society, and to everything else. So we, we, we don't want to, to flip from, you know, no cases, everyone, everything's open, a few cases, uh, everything shuts down again, because that's exactly the sort of scenario that we wanted to try uh, and avoid. What we really need to focus on is ensuring... You get it, okay? What we're doing is the wrong thing. And I don't know why it took so long for the WHO to come about this. But they're there now. So American leaders who trust the science, uh, can we now pivot? Can we adjust over to where the WHO is? Will this happen? I don't know. I mean, they should better look out. Trump's going to want to rejoin the WHO soon if they keep up this rhetoric. Um, but really, I mean, this is what we all knew all along. I was pro-lockdown for the first couple weeks. I was pro-15 days to slow the spread because that makes sense. Because there's an argument that we are not ready for this surge. I think, you know, in places like Massachusetts where we certainly were, you know, nibbling at the edges of our hospital capacity here for a while when things were really bad um that it's that it was important that we bought our health care system that time to prepare for the pandemic um and and that that probably prevented a lot of unnecessary deaths um but you know 15 days was over a long time ago. I haven't counted recently, but I think we must be near 200 now mm -hmm. or so. Um, it, it's ridiculous. It honestly is. Like, just stuff needs to be open. It makes no sense to say otherwise. And don't tell me that, like, a 3% positive test rate or something is anything like what we had in the spring. Like, yes, we might have more cases on paper now than we did in the spring, but we we weren't testing anybody then. We obviously had more cases then be, that we just weren't testing for. Right. And I watched um, part of Dr. Michael Ryan 
today, you know, they asked him why why the fatalities were way down, and he said there were about seven thousand reasons why the fatalities were down. All new therapeutics, bunch of new treatments, um, you know, um, you know, the body positioning stuff, and <clears throat> and um, and um, probably also viral load. You know, people sure. are being more cautious now, so when they are exposed, they're exposed to a smaller amount of virus than they would be if people were taking zero precautions. Yes, know? and we're not overtly doing the exact wrong thing systemically anymore. Like uh, Andrew Cuomo did when he was throwing sick patients back into the nursing homes and the in the you know HVAC systems there just spread the stuff around and whacked out you know tens of thousands of people. But Andrew Cuomo is on his book tour now. How he defeated uh, COVID and how he's the greatest American hero in the history of the country. He's on his book tour in the middle of his book tour, even though they're closing stuff back down in New York because there are more cases and. It, once again, MSNBC, man, some reporting is breaking out on MSNBC. It's worrisome. But here we go. <laughs> Willie Geis asked uh, Andrew Cuomo, you know, considering you lost the most people in the United States with 30-something thousand in, in a record amount of time and seems to have done everything wrong, and this uh, epidemic is continuing right now, this pandemic is continuing right now, is it a great time to write a book and be on a tour? Now let's talk about the book, American Crisis. I want to talk about some of the details of it, but just broadly the idea of it. Can you see why a lot of people think, if you say we're in the halftime of this, that writing a book, a retrospective in the middle of it, sort of celebrating the things that you did right, feels off and strange given what may be ahead? No, uh, Willie. No, no, absolutely not. Can you see how in, uh, you know, uh, March of 1942, maybe writing the book, uh, Mr. Roosevelt, on how he defeated the Japanese might be a little bit early, considering? <laughs> it's not a celebration at all. No, it's not a celebration at all. Let me get the name of the book. Cuomo book. I'm on the website, iwill.com slash Ohio right now. <laughs> um, I can tell you if Trump had written a book about how he defeated the coronavirus and was touring for it right now, uh, some people on the left might have a tiny, you think that pro would have been a tiny problem? problem with that. So the book is called American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. What a dinica. Can you imagine <laughs> this guy? Here we go. Uh, the game isn't over. It is halftime. Uh, we didn't lose... Oh, you didn't lose. Yeah, there's a still a big population left in the state. That's true. <laughs> Technically, there are far more many people alive than dead in New York. Uh, it's only half time. Uh, so, so they could. Plenty of time. If you're you know, part of those uh, still 11 and a half million people left in New York, you know, not plenty of football left. Uh, and uh, we had some success, but we also are making a lot of mistakes. And when we go into the locker room as a nation and we talk about the first. Oh, as a nation now. Now we're going into the locker room as a nation. We made a lot of mistakes. It's so funny how wonderfully the transference happens here. From him over to the nation. You know, I did fine. But as a nation, yeah, there were some some pe elder people were flawed. First half, we better learn because if we don't learn the lessons, the second half is going to be worse. I can tell you that. Oh, you can tell us that, Mr. Leader. So maybe we don't write the book on leadership and go on the book tour until the second half is over. We have to stop the denial. We have to stop the politics. We have to stop the denial, says the psychotic who's taking a victory lap after his state whacked out a freaking generation of old people. To stop the partisanship. We're dealing with a virus. The virus doesn't respond to po politics. Uh Had you heard that? Because I heard it was a pure partisan uh, straight yeah, ticket. I don't think it goes for protests. We're seven months into this, 
The president uh, has a rose garden ceremony, gets COVID, uh, comes. Wait a second. Oh, he did it. Oh, the super spreader event at halftime. He came out, had a super spreader event. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's not over yet. And that's why it seems like the book tour is premature, because Trump reignited the whole thing. Fountain mm-hmm. says uh, that was no big deal. Uh, I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, incredible. How- this is not political, he just said. This is not, you don't use politics. How little we have learned in seven months, and we have to get smarter and we have to get better. This man is called a dumb cough. Do you know what a dumb cough is, Alice? No. It's German. The German... Uh, put down sound a lot like the English one. <laughs> There's also a shice cough. I think you know where these go. I think it's uh, a cough. I get in the feeling means head, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, okay, so there's uh, Andrew Cuomo in the, the audacity of this guy. It's not even audacity. He's just a dumb person with a huge inflated ego who wears the suit, who got into the game of just, you know, being a uh, weasel opportunist. And it's working for him. He's under consideration to be a G now. Yes. Tough competition with Sally Yates, though. She's a resistance hero, so that yes. might be a tough one. Now, they say, you know, Trump is a – Trump is – oh, but also Stacey Abrams. And if there's a God, she gets <laughs> – if Biden's elected, if there's a God, she gets a prominent position in that. Literally, in that what has Stacey Abrams done? I don't understand She's governor it. of Georgia, if you didn't know. <laughs> okay. um, but um, – and there's Governor, there's governor Cuomo who is portraying himself as a hero of this of as a as a somebody who should be giving a master class in how how to handle a pandemic in a big state you know that's how he's portraying himself and that's acceptable and lauded by the media yeah 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 let's listen to how the media positions the way Amy Coney Barrett describes herself Jessica Schneider is live in Washington with a preview for us so what should we expect Jessica Well, Allison, this confirmation hearing is set to be an unprecedented hybrid, with some senators appearing in person, others appearing virtually, like vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris. Now, we've learned that Amy Coney Barrett will portray herself as a mother of seven, as a wife, and as a justice who will be in line with the late, staunchly conservative justice Antonin Scalia. Now, today is just opening statements. As a wife. And a justice who will yada yada yada. Can you imagine that portraying himself or herself as a mother of seven? What do you know? The 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 cojones on Amy Cojones Barrett to dare do that. I'm sorry. I don't. That is ridiculous. What an insult that she's trying to portray herself as that. Oh, sorry, sorry. There's an accident with water here. <laughs> That's one way to put it, Tom. Do you now, we've to- learned that Amy Coney Barrett will portray herself as a mother of seven, as a wife. Portraying herself as a wife. My goodness. Can you imagine the audacity of Amy Coney Barrett? Oh, thank you, Anson. Uh, Anson, my son, is delivering me back the water bottle that he had dropped mistakenly. Thank you very much. <laughs> can, you give, can you bring this downstairs to James? <coughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. So there you go. That's what she's portraying herself as. <laughs> Mostly the left portrayed her today as uh, as uh, somebody who was going to take away the health care and kill a bunch of innocent people on posters. Right. We've uh, settled on a new narrative about Amy Coney Barrett. First, it was just, you know, to get her confirmed before the election and how mean this was. And it was about Roe v. Wade and um, women's rights and all this stuff. Um 
But I think they must have decided it was like a little hard to pin that on her. And so they have now gone for she is trying to tear away people's health care in the middle of a pandemic. Now, hold on, Alice. You had a story telling us a little bit more about her that we should know. About it's part of her things that she portrays herself as. Now, we've learned that Amy Coney Barrett will portray herself as a mother of seven, as a wife. Now, about those seven, is there anything that the left has been working on trying to portray um, herself as as it goes to her adoption of a couple of children? Because I have heard <clears throat> I have heard some very disturbing things. Now, I know that she had five. They had five kids and they've adopted two kids. I thought they had adopted two kids. But in fact, I may be wrong. And this may be a darker a more ominous situation than I had thought. Um, yeah, so there are some people criticizing her on Twitter for how she talked about her children today and that she, you know, didn't attribute enough intellectual prowess to her uh, adopted children from Haiti or something. I don't know. They, I, I don't, you know, it, it could be that she's just talking about her children and you know, which activities they like to do, but the left, you know, read something very sinister into it. And if you go into the comments here that people are saying on Twitter, and like a lot of these aren't, you know, nobodies, this, um, this is the tolerant left, Alice. These aren't right. nobodies. These are okay. Right. Right. But you know, I don't want to call out anyone in particular, but a lot of these people are saying that, um, that, you know, these aren't real adoptions that she adopted these kids from Haiti to use as servants or slaves. Um, there are people, you know, like analyzing family photos of the family and complaining. Great. They Nothing don't creepy. They at don't all. think that the black children have as many outfits as the white children. <laughs> they've decided from their analysis of family photos, or they don't like how the black children are positioned in the photos. They feel they're like further from the center of the family on average. I don't know. Um, if this is you, you need to stop. You need to take a deep breath and you need to walk away from the computer. I mean, there are people legitimately saying that like child protective services needs to come and investigate her family's treatment of the children that they adopted. And I mean, it's just such an outrageous. This is like, I don't know if this is legitimately what they're going to actually go for in the hearings like they did with Kavanaugh. But I honestly, nothing would shock me at this point. But um, if you are judging people's family dynamics that you know absolutely nothing about uh, based on like their family photos and the races of their children, then you need to take a deep breath and just get away from the news cycle for a while. Go interact with some real human beings. This is not real life. She didn't enslave Haitian children. That's not a thing. Like, it- Well, she's trying to portray herself as somebody who didn't enslave. So if you have that problem, if you have this weird ghoulish uh, fetish about going and trying to insist that she's treating kids like uh, subhumans, whatever, if you're discussing, uh, you need to begin your recovery at this website. So vote! Vote! (laughs) Visit IWill.com slash Ohio! Go to IWill.com slash Ohio, and there begins your journey to recovery. A friend of mine on Facebook... Says this. This is a this is a new subject, by the way. I've moved on. Hold on. All right, here we go. This is a real person on Facebook who's in my proximity of people I know, and I know that you may be listening, and that our friendship is going to be over. But that is okay. 
Uh, if you want my friendship back. So vote! Vote! Visit iWill.com slash Ohio. Go to iWill.com slash Ohio. Fill in the form there. Let me know in 140 characters why you'd like our friendship back. And we'll do it. Yes. Um, another another tweet that got a lot of attention was um, there's some kind of media personality out there uh, who got angry at her and said that it was creepy that all the old white men were talking to her about her clown car female anatomy um what and uh yeah congratulating her for her clown car you know what <laughs> i don't know what wait, wait white men were doing what the white men in the senate the white republicans yes, were congratulating we're congratulating amy coney barrett the handmaiden i think she used the word handmaiden in the tweet too on uh, her clown car female anatomy as in it has a lot of people coming out of it. Oh. Were they doing that? that well, because be... they were congratulating her, on her, be... on her children. Okay. But some people who are angry. <laughs> no one used a euphemism for female anatomy, you're saying, in there. Not even uh, Charlie Wrangle. Oh, no, he's dead. Um, no, no one uh, described any part of Amy Coney Barrett as a clown car in the hearing. But right. on Twitter, people did. Essentially. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, everybody's all right. Everybody's all right. Is there anything else she tried to portray herself as that we need to know about? Now, we've learned that Amy Coney Barrett will portray herself as a mother of seven, as a wife. <laughs> These people get paid like 10 times more than me, Jesus. Okay. There's a friend of mine on Facebook, Alice. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This, this friend may have been a friend of ours and will no longer be. 12 years ago, we'll say her name is woman's name is Jill. 12 years ago today, uh, October 10th, whatever, entered a little being, a bundle of joy, a hurricane of energy, and a bright light who continues to emit so much happiness. Apparently this person is uh, portraying herself as a mother too, which is fine. A few months ago, this same girl was missing her father. Her dad was working 90 plus hours a week on a special project. After months of watching him come home exhausted, she decided to take matters into her own hands. She looked up the company online, found the head of HR, and emailed her. Lead by compassion in sorry, led by compassion and executed with kindness, she asked if they might consider giving him a day off. She may be young, but she is mighty, courageous, and will fight for what is right. Proud to be her mama for a million and one reasons. HDB. What's HDB? It's supposed to be HBD. It's supposed to be happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, dear, to my... Uh, okay, friend. so yeah, so you get the idea. It's a so birth, it's a corny mom birthday post, right? Like, we all appreciate and <laughs> no, love our kids. But hold Alice, Alice. We're all corny. I don't want okay. to explain to you. I know you're portraying okay. yourself as my wife right now, but... um, So, so she... She saw that dad was exhausted from working 90-plus hours a week, which obviously didn't happen. Um, she decided to take matters into her own hands, what the 12-year-old did. She looked up the company online, found the head of HR, and emailed her. So those are all three things, of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> Led by compassion and executed with kindness, she asked if they might consider giving him a day off. She may be young, she is mighty, courageous, and will fight for... First of all, I believe 
daddy was being compensated for all his long hours. <laughs> Second of all, if you work in a corporation and you think that little Abigail Swenson is going to find the, the head of HR <clears throat> and write her an email, and that's going to do anything but get dad in trouble. Do kids even know what HR is, no. first of all? And also, if my kid ever called my HR... <laughs> Your HR would laugh, first of all. <clears throat> so Daddy Iso makes a lot of money. This is crap. This is complete, uh, you know, complete virtue signaling. And it's... Where are you going? Are you leaving? I need to leave, my friend. Oh, this... Anyway, so this never happened. This never happened. I get the feel. I worry, Alice, that this came off as a salty show. But was I salty? I'm a little tired, but I think I was I was in the right about things. I don't think I was right. I'm wrong. <clears throat> so where are you going? To work? I'm going to work. I'll see you all later. All right. Did we miss anything? Is there anything we have to hit that we have to pick up for tomorrow? Um, I don't know. I'll take a look and get back to you. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. To the PR and communication community, I'd like to wholeheartedly apologize on behalf of my wife who portrays herself as a nice person, but actually fed me the idea for that entire condemnation and that entire segment slamming you. I apologize on her behalf. She will... Uh, she will endeavor to get better. She apologizes if she offended anybody. Please follow her at Alice Shattuck. Follow me at Tom Shattuck on Twitter. All right, man. See you tomorrow. C'est la vie.